Hello everybody and welcome back to our third installment of the DLR podcast. Again, as your members, I'm Larissa. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Bill. And together we are DLR. Yeah, period. So we have a good show for you guys today. Um, Ooh, don't be talking like I'm a host. Okay, so what's in store for us today? We're examining the three characters of Travis Bickle, Tyler Durden, and Patrick Bateman, and the connecting threats between all three. Okay. Ooh, and boo. 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 All of these men suck. For real. <laughs> Toxic masculinity. Who would like to start us off? I'll start us off this time. I feel like I'm never done that. So we get to start with our first horrible man. But I do like him. He had a good movie. Travis Bickle and Taxi Driver. Boo! <laughs> I said woo, y'all said boo. Oh my god. So, Taxi Driver is a 1976 film made by none other than Martin Scorsese, who starred Robert De Niro. Um, so, Ooh. Travis Bickle was a retired Vietnam vet, which is kind of speculated that he might not have been that, but who knows? Half of that movie is either he did it or he didn't do it. Um, but his whole bit was he felt like he had to clean up the city and rid it of its like scum. Um, scum being like hookers, pimps, and anybody else like that. Um, also like black people because he was very, um, very racist. Um, also had a really weird experience with women. Um, so yeah, let me just give you a little synopsis in that. Um, so aside from his racism and his vigilante acts, he became obsessed with um, a young lady who was working for the presidential candidate, uh, Senator Palpatine. Um, and so she gives him a, a good old run of the mill. Um, her name was Betsy. And, but this uh, relationship ended very soon after their first official date. He decided to take her to a screening of a pornography, which in good old men fashion, that really gets the ladies going. Um, she was obviously creeped out by that and was like, yeah, I don't like this, so I'm going to stop, overall, start avoiding you, and he did not take that well. Um, this kind of started, I would say, like, the descent of madness, but I don't know if there's, if there's really one, like, pinpoint, because he was already kind of a loony bin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he kind of descends, he starts screaming at her, like, shows her job. Uh, we see him attempt to kill, the, uh, or assassinate, rather, the presidential candidate. Uh, he, likes comes out with this crazy mohawk looking at like the feds he's like oh like you're a secret service guy i want to be a secret service guy how do you get started and he's like chatting him up tries to kill everybody a really great great guy um but in his madness he was praised because when he became obsessed with the 12 year old prostitute iris he kills all her pimps in an attempt to save her um from the bad and somehow, instead of, you know, going to prison for killing a bunch of people, because were they bad people, you're prostituting kid, we get it, you still committed a crime. He was rather deemed a hero in the papers and received a thank you letter from Iris's um, father saying, like, oh, she's good, she's doing back in school, and, like, if we ever uh, get the chance to, like, or if, you're, if you ever get the chance to come out here to where we are, like, we would love to meet you. Um, and, yeah. So, with that film, it inspired a lot of um, other stuff. It inspired a lot of copycats. Um, the movie itself was even inspired by um, somebody who attempted to kill Henry Ford. Um, and in good old cinema fashion, it inspired other movies, um, notably Tom Phillips' 2019 film Joker, um, starring Joaquin Phoenix, who played Arthur Fleck. 
Um, and like Travis, they are very similar in the sense of they had that descent to madness that was celebrated in the end. So like I said earlier, like Travis was um, celebrated by like the papers and uh, Iris's father, whereas Arthur Fleck, when he decayed after killing three men on the subway, his former co-worker and TV host, Murray Franklin, who was also played by Robert De Niro um, on my television, uh, he was saved by his rioters and uh, they celebrated him in the streets. And they're like, oh, you're such a cool dude, though he killed somebody. And unlike Travis, he actually went to um, a mental institution, so he was actually reprimanded. Uh, but Travis, we don't really know. I think it's just more so like a, he kind of got off, um, kind of bit, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of like the, the synopsis of Taxi Driver to kind of set the stage of what um, kind of connections we can see between all these men. Um, starting with first, like you explained um, what led to him um, becoming a violent person. Um, it was it's kind of an act of <clears throat> he sees the the world as something rotten and decayed and in order to fix it it needs more violence yeah. um, because he can do violence right. you know and it's good um, we also see you know he has really weird experiences in relationships with women um, you know, before, you know, I, I do agree. I think um, his descent really started after um, Betsy's rejection of him. But even before that, we can tell that he's already off yeah. by taking her to like a graphic porno for yeah. their first date. Um, and this, uh, this theme of, you know, struggling to connect with women in particular uh, shows up in all three of these movies. Um, Scorsese's even said that, um, where is it? Um, that um, the rejection um, for Travis was more painful than the murders. Um, and also saying that you're raised to worship women, but you don't know how to approach them on a human level or a sexual level. That's the thing with Travis. So I, I see that as one of the, his rejection with women being as one of the key factors that motivated his uh, turn to vigilantism. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I was also looking at um, this one article that was looking at Travis in a more modern light, um, you know, saying if this was in 2018, he would be like an Uber driver. Um, he wouldn't even know his co coworkers, be even less lonely or even more lonely. Um, and, you know, he, he could be even more violent in modern day. Um, you know, somebody uh, said that uh, they were kind of disappointed that the climactic bloodbath ends with only three people dying. Um, but considering, 
you know, specifically like the connection between like modern day like um, MAGA movements and um, you know America suffers you know hundreds of mass shootings you know almost every other day um, so Travis would not have had just a, a revolver or whatever he would have had an automatic assault weapon yeah. um, and his violence would have been even more catastrophic, which is something really scary to, to think in perspective. Yeah. And it's kind of weird that people would like want to see more like casualties. Like I said, like I get like pimping on kids is like everybody knows like any violence against kids is like all just like automatically wrong. But like wanting more carnage is like killing does not solve mm -hmm. anything. It's violence against kids, maybe, but like you still gotta get reprimanded at the end of the day, mm -hmm. and it is scary because you like think people like Elliot Rogers. Like I remember when that was a big thing when uh, mm -hmm. he was like rejected by women, and then he took that out and was like killing a whole bunch of people, and it's like mm -hmm. killing people solves nothing at all. Like you're just you're not helping anybody by doing this. I mean, and it's it's very counteractive to what they want to do. You yeah. know, I'm looking at. Um, the thing with Elliot Roger, um, his manifesto was that he killed six people and injured 14 because he believed that women were depriving him of sex. And it's like, what about killing people do you think is going to make women want you more? Yeah, like, anything that's going to scare us more. Exactly. Like, oh my god, he's, gonna, he's scary. He might growl at me, I don't know. That's yeah. a creepy yeah. guy On the topic of men and violence, we have our next film, which is Fight Club, which is literally just about men who commit violence. Like, okay, so with Fight Club, we have our main character, our narrator, who is, we all know, is voiced by Edward Norton, who is, I believe that he doesn't have a name, so that way it's easier for men who view the movie to depict themselves mm -hmm. into that character yeah that's and um with the whole movie we have tyler durden who is you know he's an alpha male um he looks good he yeah. he feels good and um he walks up to the main character and he goes hey punch me in the face yeah. and then <laughs> yeah and that becomes a regular thing to them which then attracts other men in the parking lot to start doing the same thing. Yeah. Thus, we are born with the Fight Club, which is basically, it's just telling us that men, men, men be violent, I mean, men get bored. Yeah, it seems that instead of, I mean, they can't, you know, satiate that boredom, I guess, with women, mm -hmm. so they look to other men. Let's and, duke it out. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's a normal way to go about things, everybody. Mm -hmm. I think the only woman that we really do see in the movie is Marla, yeah. which is basically used as, you know, a sex ploy. Mm -hmm. She's considered a tumor by the main protagonist. Like, she's the catalyst for the events of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that causes, like, like, Mock was trying to talk about, like, the femininity of Tyler, and I wasn't really sure of it, but I think it's, uh, Tyler, or the protagonist, is, I think he's mad at Marla, 
um, in a sense, um, because, you know, maybe she's not plagued with, you know, the male, you know, thought process, you know, she doesn't, she's fine with just going to the meetings, um, and she doesn't seek violence out, you know, um, you know, she kind of as a, he hates her because she almost has like an easier way out, I guess. Um, that's kind of how I see his relationship with Marla a little. Um, yeah, their relationship in the movie, like, yeah, she, she motivates the, 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 the creation of Fight Club, but their interactions with each other show almost like no concern for her well-being, actual disdain for her ex for her existence. You know, he, the protagonist wants like doesn't care if she's about to die, but you know, part of him does, which is Tyler, and he, he kind of rejects. You know, trying to care about women in a in a trying to save your life way, but that too also leads into sex. So, you know, it's not like he's trying to avoid. Maybe I think Edward's character um, doesn't really, he doesn't want to help Marla, you know, with her cognitive issues. And so that's where Tyler comes in and he, he just thinks everything can be solved with sex and violence. And that's how she gets saved, you know. Interesting. Um, what else? Yeah, and also just um, another really interesting thing that we see with Fight Club um, is the cult of identity surrounding Tyler. Um, I mean, and not just Tyler, but Fight Club in general. Yeah. Fight Clubs, you know, are still being made in, like, middle schools, mm -hmm. like, yesterday or something. Um, you know, a lot of men seek this out as, um, where is it? Um, as, a, as joining a band of brothers united by purpose. Um, it's such an odd way to put a go about it. Mm -hmm. The purpose is to be violent, but okay. I mean, they see that as kind of, I don't know, because um, you know, thinking about the kind of identity that Tyler creates, you know, alpha male, he fights people, he, he doesn't, he doesn't really give a fuck about anything, um, and then, um, you know, it's, it's easier to, I think, um, go to self-destruction and self-improvement. Um, yeah, a lot of people found um, kind of comfort in Tyler. Um, 
especially to teenagers um, who, you know, self-improvement, Tyler calls it self, uh, masturbation, but it really, self-improvement is something that you work to every day, you know, you got to change the way you think, you got to change the way you do things, um, what you do, who you're with, you know, you got to change everything. Um, but with self-destruction, you know, if you're already on that path, you know, making things worse for yourself is a lot easier than making things better. Um, and so I think a lot of people saw, saw that as, you know, it's okay to not want to improve yourself. I guess it's okay to kind of want to destroy yourself in a, in a cool way, you know. Mm-hmm. And with that, I'm going to bounce back to the um, the comparison we did on Taxi Driver and the Joker. Because I feel that Fight Club and the Joker can also be compared. Mm-hmm. You know, with the narrator and Tyler Durden, it's a split personality. He has a number of disciples. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then his actions are all about trying to show the individual in power that um, he's from chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, another article I found actually referenced, um, like, her experiencing watching Joker, um, like, in context with watching Fight Club, you know, both of these have the same kind of premise of, um, you know, social outcasts that are so neglected and maltreated by the world that the answer to violence is all but guaranteed, you know, so why do we keep seeing these kinds of stories? because yeah it'd be a lot more fulfilling to see a movie where these guys actually seek out self-improvement and you know get better but you know maybe that's just not entertaining from a movie standpoint you know maybe there's something in that you know destruction that's fascinating and i think that kind of like or that premise couldn't come from like having like the male teens who always like find themselves like in those kind of people so like mm-hmm. you might have like those male teens like becoming the people who make these movies exactly. to like throw the audience of like being like oh like i felt like that at one point so let me garnish a, like another audience of people who feel the same mm-hmm. way as me which is like kind of scary when you think about because like well i hope you're just idolizing this in mm-hmm. a in a there's no normal way to idolize but a, a rather way that you're not like inadvertently about to go try to do yeah. what the hell you're seeing because we don't need any more of that and that's the unfortunate thing about like, when anytime you do have these kind of movies, like there's always a scare of like, oh my God, you're making this movie, cool. Are we gonna have people who try to reenact this violence? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I hope not, but if we do, then yeah. how do we go about it? like in a way of like having these kind of like movie characters and like seeing them and even not even really like just like in the movies themselves like that cult like you do like oh like you're um, what, what are you like a the vigilante is like mm-hmm. oh like he did this this is so cool so let's praise it instead of like reprimand him or be like hey what you did is like really bad and mm-hmm. you should not do that again let's like fix it but instead of like oh that's so cool like i want to be like that yeah, and all three of these movies, like, none of the protagonists really do face 
reprimand, yeah. reformation from mm-hmm. what they've done throughout the movie. Like, um, that's particularly why I didn't like the ending of the Fight Club movie as yeah. opposed to the book. Because in the book, he actually ends up in a mental institution mm-hmm. and, um, you know, is still unsure of his reality, you know, if he's still acting as Tyler or not. Um, but in the movie, it just ends with, you know, him kissing Marla and, you know, seemingly you know, Tyler's gone with. Um, and so it's kind of like, I don't know, that's why the book left such a, such a lasting impression because it gave the sense that, you know, this isn't over for the character. Um, it's still something that he's sh- gonna struggle with. Yeah. Um, but in the movie, we don't get that same kind of message really just like a you know explosive events that you know ends with a pretty little kiss you know Mm -hmm. it does make sense to me Um, so yeah um, I think we can go into you know only a year later Another very similar movie Such came out. Such a good movie. <laughs> Such a good movie. So good. I got um, the t-shirt for that man. Yes. American Psycho um, came out only a year later after um, Fight Club did. Um, so yeah, let's talk about that movie now. Hedrick mm-hmm. <laughs> Bateman, how, how could you just not love <laughs> such a creep? Such a scary man that I felt like everybody should have just taken him seriously. I think that's other problem like these movies, like you kinda see that that same trope of like he's a man that's clearly showing you like mm-hmm. there's something wrong, but like nobody feels compelled or like exactly to like step in like, hey dude, like what's going on? And I feel like Patrick Bateman, um I feel like Patrick and Travis especially like share that similarity because like Travis was always like talking weird and they're like, mm. <laughs> but then like with Patrick, nobody took him serious and it's like He's got this journal full of, like, crazy-looking images, whether he did them all or not. It's like, mm-hmm. that's still odd. He's in, like, broad daylight at the table with his girlfriend, drawing yeah. the little chains on mm-hmm. accident, and, like, nobody's just like, oh, dude, what, what is this? What? Yeah. Is this like, evidence? I mean, actually. It's so, like, he's so scary. And um, I particularly like um, him, because after watching it for the second time, so this was my second time watching both Taxi Driver and American Psycho, I was like, oh my god, these are the same movies. Um, but what I noticed most is the um, the mirror phase. So I do have Dr. Mock for a history theater film. Shout out to you, Dr. Mock. <laughs> and, and Laura Mulvey's um, article, I think it's called like, like Violence, something about violence. It's really cool. I never remember the, the title of that poor thing. Um, but she talks about the mirror phase. And the mirror phase occurs when a child like sees like their, um, their physical oh, image yeah, in the mirror. Oh, yeah, I think I've heard mm-hmm. of this. Yeah, so like they see their image. And so they're like, like their self-image becomes like this beautiful thing, and it's more magnificent than actually being a human itself. Mm-hmm. So you're more like, oh my God, more in tune with like what I see than what I am. Um, and we hear that from Patrick because when he's like at the very beginning of the movie, he's like, yes, like I do all these things to you know maintain my like perfection. Um, but you know, in all of this, I still feel like the shallow man. Like he'll be like, you know, you can shake my hand and you'll feel flesh, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll maybe smile at you, or like I'll do these things but I don't feel human mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And Travis kind of does the same thing like when he's preparing for like the assassination, he doesn't outreach like, oh my God, I don't feel like human. But like, you kind of see like, he's like, okay, I'm gonna prepare myself. Like I'm gonna start doing these things. I need to like take care of myself 
to um, prepare for like what I'm gonna do, even though he failed. What a loser! Um, <laughs> like you, you're doing all this and you fail. Come on, man! Like, uh, make it work. Well. <laughs> you're not to try to assassinate somebody. You're such a loser. But it's like that. That kind of like per, like preservation. Like he needs to look perfect, and like everything else kind of just eradicates it, um, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think that was kind of like cool in the sense that like he, they had those kind of experiences. Like it's like you're human, but you don't feel human like at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, yeah. And like the relationship with women, like. Uh, it kind of goes back to that mirror face, like when we do see like um, Patrick have sex with women, you don't ever see the women, like yeah. you just see him, especially that one where you see where like it's her mm-hmm. legs in the mirror, and he's in there flexing, watching himself in the mirror, and he's like, oh yeah, and it's yeah. like, dude, what? Because mm-hmm. uh, I know one of my classmates made a good point of like when you see like when he's playing the pornography, you never see the man on screen, you only mm-hmm. ever see the women, but when you actually see him in the act of sex, you never see the women, yeah. you only see like him, and so it's like. It's just kind of weird that he does have those kinds of experience, and nobody tries to intervene. Yeah. Nobody. When he confessed to killing people, it was like, oh, that's still. Which I'm still. I'm kind of confused if he like really killed Paul Allen or that was just somebody who said they're Paul Allen. I'm still confused to this day, <laughs> and nobody seems to have the true answer if he killed Paul Allen or not. I'm so confused. Um, he's also like uh, Travis Bickle in the same way. Like he kind of views like a certain kind of like demographic of people as scum. Mm-hmm. When he killed the uh, owl in the alleyway, uh, it made me think of like when Travis um, was kind of going on his whole rant and speech about like, oh my god, like everybody's horrible. And then he killed that dude um, in the gas station and he just kind of mm-hmm. like went on with his life and it's like, you just killed somebody. How do you just continue? But it's also like, oh, you're crazy. So yeah. that makes sense. You're crazy. Nobody's checking you on it. So, okay. That's why you just killed somebody. Just like, ah, oh, just another walk in the park. Yeah, like, oh. both of them thought that that's what was necessary for the situation. Just like, who are you to say who's scum? You're pretty bad by your own definition, mm-hmm. actually. So if anything, we need to be trying to get you out of here too, buddy. Yeah, get you back in the ring, girl. Yeah, there's also like that irony we talked about um, with one of the songs, I think mentioning yuppie scum, yeah. but you know, Patrick being the definition oh, of a yuppie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so he kind of they separate themselves um well like yeah and i also see it in tyler you know they separate themselves from everybody to find themselves their sense of self yeah but it just contributes to them becoming another you know violent monster um and it's like that kind of like them feeling like the sore thumb in society we always like because it's like you are the sore thumb and then you're like actively trying to like stick out mm-hmm. and i don't know like that was the thing with like patrick in particular it's just like um you know he goes to his job and they all blend in they all look like you know the same person but different fonts and he so badly wanted to stick out in any way he could find and even when he did nobody believed him they're like oh yeah okay dude like you really you kill people like, oh yeah really oh you're a big bad now yeah. huh like, dude you have a nine to five office job and living up in like some like crazy hotel nobody's believing you no they the really pen, uh penthouse or like apartment complex that's tom cruise oh, wow. in the in the book I think at least. <laughs> so, 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 so yeah. They literally gaslit him to make him think that he didn't even do the crime. Though. Exactly. Like that's the whole crazy thing about American Psycho is that he really doesn't get any reparations at all mm-hmm. because he don't even know for sure if he did it or not because yeah. his lawyer is that good. Yeah. <laughs> Your lawyer is that good. And I was like, I just had lunch with Paul Allen. And I was like, oh man, I watched him murder X that right. man. Come on now. <laughs> 
He, he, he set the crime scene up. Like, Paul Allen was right there. No, it could be Allen Paul. But somebody <laughs> died, man. Somebody yeah, got like in the back of the head, and I don't know who. Um, and that's also like the crazy thing about these kind of movies, like that, like kind of like psychological thriller. Because like you have these narrators, and then like the way cinema works, you know, you're led to believe that their delusions are true. And so when you like have that ounce of like. Oh, it might have not been. She was like, "Well, did you just lie to me like the last hour and a half? Mm-hmm. Like, what was real, what was not?" Because I don't like uh, what uh, American Psycho. It's a lot of there's a lot of differentiations of like what he actually did or like what not. What um, the common denominator is that he actually did everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Taxi Driver, it's kind of speculated because I, I kind of researched it and like the directors and like people who like wrote it were like, "Well, it all happened." Like you know, when it came to Taxi Driver, it's just like. So it's just like, are you, like, you're saying it happened, but like, you're kind of confusing me. Because yeah. then like with Taxi Driver, they were like, well, it might have not happened. Like when he um was in the shootout and they shot him in the neck. They're like, oh, when it's like the camera's panning up above, it's supposed to be like his soul ascending into the after. Like you have like this God eye view. Right. And then everything after is like his um dying wishes of like being able to talk to Betsy mm-hmm. one last time and all this. So it's just like, uh, like, are your delusions real? And like these delusions that you had that also caused you to like, have this weird proximity to violence. Like, all right, is any of it real? Or are you just mm-hmm. crazy from the start? Do everybody, does everybody know you're scary and that's why they won't interject and be like, hey, you're a bad dude? What is it? And we should interject, but I'll be yeah. very polite. So you're not on the hit list either. Like I said, I will not catch a string. <laughs> oh my god, you look so nice today, Mr. Bateman. Yeah. That suit. Um, that um, kind of you know, um, dreamlike manner is uh, in all three of these movies. Um, but before, before, before I go to that, I, I want to talk about the Sigma male, um, and just what Patrick has done to you know, kind of the landscape of male thinking. Um, I mean, people want to be him, mm-hmm. not not exactly yeah. him. But, you know, people want his physique. Um, in 2020, um, somebody actually did the same routine to get it. Um, and, you know, he really fits into like this idea of a Sigma male. Um, which is the latest sociosexual identity to take over the internet, especially among young men. Um, and you see the, the same thing that happened with Tyler happening again um, with Patrick, because um, both of these men are you know, idolized to a degree because of um, not only do they, are they like badass in a way, but they inflict violence and get away with it, yeah. essentially. Um, It goes like to like that cult like that cult like feel of just like idolizing the wrong things mm-hmm. and wanting to be the wrong things, which again is scary because it's just like yeah you could get away with this in cinema because it's cinema anything mm-hmm. can happen in a movie but when you try to perpetuate this in real life mm-hmm. you you get reprimanded to some degree whether you're doing a twenty to life or whatever they see yeah. fit like you will be reprimanded if you try it. Yeah, and I was like wondering, I'm like, what is the the point? Like, why would you want to be a Sigma male? And I found this video, and it's 10 things only Sigma males <laughs> understand. And it's stuff like, 
you're being accused of being unemotional, you're constantly underestimated, you've learned how to expect nothing from others, hate to be caught unaware, mm-hmm. and it's like, that's just being a person, like, that, that's just personality traits, like, you don't have to want to come, I mean, in wanting, in Patrick's desire to break from this conforming, uh, male image, um, it's created, you know, a whole generation of young men wanting to be, wanting to conform into a man like him, yeah. um, which might not even benefit them, you know. Um, it cultivates loners with commitment issues, the sigma male mindset. So, you know, why, why even? <laughs> which is interesting, because, like, in most cases, you could say, like, I feel like Patrick's version of like Sigma Male is something different than like uh, Travis. I don't know if it's the same for uh, Tyler necessarily, but like with Travis specifically, it was like women, like he could not take a shot with women. And when he mm-hmm. did, it was like we saw the one relationship he had, he immediately would have like yeah. taken to like pornography. And then it's like you become obsessed with like, this child prostitute and like you just have to save her. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's almost like in a sense, like not the same with Patrick in the way that like he he's able to like get these hookups from like he has a girlfriend mm-hmm. like he has a girlfriend yeah he calls hookers, like he can have sex but it's also like he still just has that that awkward relationship and i feel like that's what kind of cultivates like these young men too is like having that that odd relationship mm-hmm. um with women with like you can get them or you or, like you can't get them and so like they all like yeah. just, oh like women hate me duh or like you do have women but then you don't like know how to go about like interacting with mm-hmm. her which then like categorized you to like this it just like catapults you into like this weird um kind of relationship and then like they don't know how to like properly navigate it which i think is why they do like patrick bateman so mm-hmm. much and why even 23 years later they're, they're still attempting to be exactly like him yeah not something you want to be yeah i think it might be easy to be like patrick as well you know just like you know self-improvement is masturbation you know um they, I forgot. <laughs> um. I had actually, I had found a list on Quora where they're talking about what you need to do in order to be like Patrick Bateman. Here is the list. Ooh, wait, I scrolled up. No! Okay, here we go. Forget about morality. That's number one. Number two, you must have a ravenous jealousy for anyone who has even a cent more to their name than you. Okay, that's scary. Number three, you must be rich. Number four, mm-hmm. you must take immense care of your body, which we, we have seen during the film and his yes. intense. Um, number five, you must be women exclusively as sex toys. Um, number six, you are only allowed to follow the most popular trends, even if you hate them. I mean, it's like, what sounds appealing about this? <laughs> um, number seven, you must have the utmost contempt for everyone below you. And number eight, you should have contempt for all life around you. And then you must be absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah, that sounds all right. That sounds like the yeah. Patrick Bateman starter pack. Yeah. That's that's Patrick Bateman, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the starter pack. Um. I think the thing with Patrick Bateman is that people tend to, they look past his flaws, yeah. which are some pretty insane flaws, because no. they're like, oh, he's rich and good looking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're just basing someone off of looks. Yeah, which is what he does in his own self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
like self gratification too. And I think I think that's what almost like I would say in like his mind, his acts of violence is what what kind of like humanizes him mm-hmm. and like that sense of like it, it's what he attempted to make him stand out but we saw that it, it fell flat and still confused by that but like having a self-gratification and being like I already don't feel human and I'm trying to preserve myself the best way I can to kind of have some kind of feeling but then if I act violent and then I stick out from like this you know they this nine to five where we all look the same kind of bit then I can find the gratification of mm-hmm. being human mm-hmm. in some way I think that comes with all of them too. Like even like mm-hmm. Travis, like there is that that self gratification film. Like you gotta rid the scum of the world, which is like, dude, you're literally yeah. no better. But okay, mm-hmm. like it makes them human in that way of acting like outlines and like the same like Fight Club. Like you know, punch me in the face. Like that's just you just come up to a random person like start punching me and let's create this club where like the number one rules what stays in the club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so like that gratification and like that feeling of humanity mm-hmm. through their acts of violence. Yeah, I think that's a great segue into talking about all three, because all three of them have such similar themes, um, you know, violence as a performative act that brings self-gratification, the treatment of women, you know, the dreamlike manner of all these movies, all of them, you know, play to the same kind of themes. I think um, Fight Club especially does like a, an interesting um, job of examining like the mirror self because um, mm-hmm. we get very literal interpretations of this in both Taxi Driver and American Psycho with mm-hmm. scenes of them directly looking into the mirror but I don't think we get that exactly in Fight Club but instead we get the actual mirrored person, yeah. the, the two people yeah. who are one. Um, You know, all of these men see violence as something to, like, aspire to. Um, And in that, you know, kind of, they separate themselves from the, the violent, you know, the scum and the violent actions creating, you know, those two selves. Um, And I think that's just really interesting about all of them. Yeah, I'd also say that the dreamlike manner is really apparent through all of them because in all three of them, there are scenes where the validity of them can be questioned based on the narrator being unreliable. Um, You can say the same with Joker. Uh, I know we didn't watch for class, but it is my favorite movie and I try to force everybody I know to watch it. (laughs) Um, even like they that same kind of like trope of like the validity even happens with him too even the mirror self too because like you can kind of argue like the mirror self kind of happens in Joker like we don't really see him like happy till like he's in the clown makeup and he's like go about to like kill this mm-hmm. man on like live TV and he like he he kind of feels like um I don't even want to say human well yeah humanity because he even said like the beginning he was like I don't even feel like he's like for the longest I didn't even know I existed mm-hmm. um so having like that same trope even in like current cinema Mm-hmm. And um, like the self gratification, like when he he feels like better, like he feels like he's being seen for once in his life, when he's like acting out those kind of um, that like those violent acts, um, and even the validity too, because like uh, for a lot of the film, like we see him with like the uh, woman Sophia, and then it comes to find out that he just imagined the whole like relationship, like, mm-hmm. like he met her that one time, 
and then like that was the only interaction they had and aside from like the time we went back to her um apartment and she was like i think you have the wrong place mm-hmm. yeah i was like hold on dude i just want you like visit him <laughs> while i'm in the hospital you went on dates and like yeah it's just like, like y'all oh. was together this whole movie yeah, it's like oh well everything i knew you just completely blown out the water because it, it never happened mm-hmm. so like how do i trust you the same with them was like how can i trust your word yeah um, that's why I, uh, um, I wanted to point out the dates that they came out. Taxi Driver came out in 76, and then Fight Club and American Psycho both came out in 2000, a year within each other. So, if we're on the same track, you know, we had Joker coming in in 2019, um, filling, you know, that next kind of step of male-inflicted violence. Not only that, but the violence it wasn't caused by them themselves, yeah. but the society that enabled or that caused... It, it's basically society's problem and yeah. all of these that caused these men to be violent. Yeah. So, if we're according to schedule, we should be getting another male-centric violent movie that focuses on the failings of society and not the inner problems very soon. Or within the next 20 years. <laughs> they are making a second joke or something. I feel like yeah. I was wondering if that one would be like the kind yeah, of kind of yeah. But like I'm kind of confused because it's also a musical. That's oh. always really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one with Lady Gaga. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, last kind of point that I have um, uniting all three of these movies. Um, it's kind of the, the, the protagonist's use of violence as a drug. It's used by all of them to gain emotional reprieve. You know, Tyler uses it to help his insomnia. Um, Travis uses it to cope with the cops being supposedly useless. You know, he can't, he can't handle seeing the cops being so fucking useless. Yeah. Um, and then Bateman uses violence not only to, you know, kind of in response to the conformist lifestyle that he's been living, but also as sexual climax, and also, you know, because the cocaine that he's taking isn't enough, you know, haven't, Bateman's actually on drugs, and yeah. that's not even enough to, to make him not want to be violent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, that's what they go to, all, all three of these people to, to help their the issues that they see with society, they see with themselves instead of you know searching for other people, making connections, mm-hmm. you know looking for help, it's violence. Because killing people was somehow morally correct. Yep. That is how. That is how we will achieve peace. Yep. <laughs> Well, with that, we are at time for today's episode. Once again, I'm Larissa. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Dale. And this was DLR. Woo! Bye, kids. Bye. <laughs>